Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. I'm Pete Bursich, and tonight I'm talking with former NFL head coach and Vikings consultant, Paul Wiggin. Welcome back to Skull Stories for the 2021 season, and I know I'm excited to be back, and I'm excited for this year, I'm excited to have fans back in the stands, there's so many reasons to look forward to this year, but as you go into any new year, you always want to learn from the past and take some things from the past, and that's why I'm so excited about our guest today and Paul Wigan. And Paul Wigan has been a guy that has been around the NFL for about 60 years or over 60 years. The guy knows everything soup to nuts. He's been around the Vikings for at least 35 to 40 of those years. Always great to have him. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Paul, you have been around the Vikings organization since 1985 and worked for uh, Bud Grant coaching the defensive line. We, As we sit here in TCO Studios, just off the top of your head, how has this franchise changed over the years? Oh, gosh. It's, it, it's, the game itself has, has transformed dramatically over the years. This one has certainly changed. Uh, you know, the size has changed even from that time. 300 pounds was was kind of exciting in those days. Nowadays, <laughs> if you don't weigh 300, you can't stay here. It's a lot different. But I don't know. Football has always been football. My job when I was here was as defensive line coach, and our job was to do the same things that the defensive line does now. Yeah. You know, we try to get as get the quarterback on the grass as often as we could. Right. So to piggyback on that, you you started playing in the NFL with Cleveland in 1957. And played into the '60s. So what? What were? What was the NFL like back then? Well, for us, I I played for a great football team, and we were way ahead of everybody. Uh, I I think if you go back and look at history, Paul Brown, uh, in his first ten years as a coach with the Cleveland Browns, played in the championship game all ten games. So wow. I first of all coattailed my life with a pretty good football coach. But uh, the game then, he was more modern at that time. They had the playbook. They had all of, all of the things, the modern things that you see today. So that, there, there you go. A playbook was modern back then. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, really. You, you uh, read and, and talk to players from way back when. They they almost drew, drew plays in the dirt, you know. <laughs> it was different. And, and then you had a job, right, in the off season. Yeah, I taught school. <laughs> I taught the second semester in California because I was a credential teacher in in California. I went back to California and taught the second semester in high school and eventually in junior college. So I I always had to have an off season job, you know. Pete, I got eight thousand dollars my first first year, my first contract, and I That's was amazing. felt like the richest man in America. <laughs> you know, and the other way the games changed. I mean, the rules have obviously changed quite a bit. And, you know, my father played with the Dallas Cowboys um, in the early '60s. He was on the original team in 1960, and I remember him just watching the Bears and stuff growing up in Chicago in the '80s. Think, and he would tell me, he's, "Yeah, we weren't, we weren't." We didn't blow the whistle. You weren't down until forward progress stopped. Yeah. You, so you, 
<laughs> you 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 also used to beg the runner to go down because because <laughs> somebody was coming and probably going to kill you both. You know, so I it was so different, unbelievably different. A little more violent than today's game. It was explosive, and you know, uh, I I don't know. I, I I would hate to line up in front of some of the people that they're playing today. I mean, I was uh, I weighed two thirty four. And I was big enough, mm-hmm. you know. I was uh, I, today two thirty four would be like catching a minnow. You throw it back <laughs> in the water, and uh, so it's it's the, that part of it has certainly changed. But but it was uh, it was a great era. I played uh, the eleven years with the Browns, and uh, uh, we never had a losing season, which is hard to believe with the Cleveland Browns when you think about them today. But now they're back, so it's interesting. You know, I I look at the, the transition from playing into coaching, and it was it was Denny, Dennis Green who was the the guy who really put me onto that. And, and the funny part about it, he brought me in his office one day, and he said, "You know, when you're done playing, you should think about coaching." And I said, "Should I start thinking about it today?" Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. Like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. <laughs> so, who influenced you into that transition from playing into being a coach? Well, you know, it was interesting. When I was a little kid, I had a I had a family that uh, ran a grocery store in my little hometown, and he was his the Manuel Valverde was a good friend of ours, and he told me he said, "You know, Paul, you love sports so much." You probably should someday be in coaching or something like that. He didn't know. And you know what? That always stuck in my mind. So when I went to Stanford, I, I, I got my bachelor's and master's degree in, in education. I was going to teach and coach. It was always there. And it was amazing. The last game I ever played in as a player was the Pro Bowl. And that was a hard to leave my team. I really loved the Cleveland Browns. I loved playing for them. I loved the town. I loved everything. And it was hard to give that up. But I, I had to give it up. I had an opportunity to go with the 49ers and be their defensive line coach. And that's where it all started. Now, where, where are you from originally? I'm from the San Joaquin Valley of California. So to go into Stanford mm-hmm. was just around the corner. You know, I went up to the Bay Area, and that's where Stanford is. And, you know, it was a school that, was, that I wanted to go to and, and near where I lived. Now, do you still – do you have anything to do with, with, uh, with Stanford? I know uh, Coach Shaw that's there now. Is yeah. the son of Willie Shaw, who was a coordinator here yes. when I was coaching? I know, the, I know the staff fairly well. In fact, I'm going to their game this weekend. Who do they play? They're playing uh, Kansas State in the in, in the big uh, bowl in Dallas. You know that's a, it's the classic. Yeah, but it's, it's amazing though the ties that certain schools can have. Yeah, and the Vikings have some pretty big ties with Stanford, being that Denny, you know, he recruited me coming out of high school, but he was he's from Stanford, coached there, you coached yeah. there a lot, played there. Yeah, Denny me, was and, my offensive coordinator when I coached there. <laughs> So I, Denny, I, I worked with Denny way back when. What did you, what did, what did you see in Denny Green back, back in the day? He saw what football really was. I think sometimes people have some idealistic things and going on in them, in their minds about what football is, but he saw the, the picture as it really, really was. And I think that makes you a pretty good football coach. And he was, uh, he was a master of understanding human behavior. It was a lot like Bud. Okay. I think Bud Bud was a great had great command, and I think Denny had that. Uh, and I think both of them had they understand human behavior, and I think that's so important. Could you give us some examples of of that 
of 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 what they did that proved to you that or I'll give you a great example. I played with Jim Marshall in Cleveland. Yeah. And Paul Brown was scared to death of it. <laughs> so he 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 traded him and got he said finally got him out of there and got him to 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 Minnesota. And Bud Grant made him, took him from there and made him captain of the team. Now, that's really understanding human behavior. That's really knowing, knowing and understanding a human being and finding the best in him. And I think Bud was so good at that. Yeah, you could just see it in him, huh? And he had command. Now, I'll tell you this. You have, you're sitting in a meeting laughing and having fun before the meeting starts, you know, with the players. You you see him. And he walks through that door, and all of a sudden, boom, it's just dead silence. And the eyes huh. eyes are wide open, and they're paying attention to everything he says. And that's the and that's respect. And that's, that's respect and command. I mean, the, when he walked in there, he had command. Paul Brown had command. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you story after story. You don't want to hear him, but he, he was not easy to be around. In my time here with the Vikings, which has been since 94, and I've 26 seasons, I've, I've been pretty happy. And, you know, I meet you, and you've been around for a lot longer than that. You, Your main goal or your main job has been evaluating talent. And how has that changed over the years? You know, I don't know. I came into it late. I think there that it's an art. I'm still studying it and still trying to get to the point where I could be classified as a scout because it's it's not easy. And when you have a great scout, in fact, we just had one retire by the name of Conrad Cardano, and he was a great scout. I mean, I learned so much from just reading his reports, how he explained things. When you got through, you knew that player. You understood that player. You knew what his flaws were. You knew what his his good qualities were and uh, I think that uh, I think that that scouting part of it is is an art Skull Stories is presented all season long by Cambria the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings we'll be back in a moment with more Skull Stories right after this We're back with more Skull Stories presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. And now let's get back to our conversation with Paul Wigan. You have a couple new guys in in Pierce and Tomlinson. They're both of similar stature, right? They're big, as you know. You no, they're mentioned not big, before. they're monsters. <laughs> uh, what do you see in them? I would like to coach both of them. If if I were coaching, I'd like to have them on my roster. And, and what about and what about them? Because they're dominating up front. You could program them to control the run, and they and they do. They're, that's what they do best. But they can collapse the pocket. When I was coaching here, I had Millard and Henry Thomas, and they did a great job of bringing the middle, getting the quarterback, and 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 pressing the pocket, and uh, and then the, you had the speed coming from the outside. Uh, Dolman in particular yep. over over Noga, but both of them were pretty good football players from the standpoint of coming around the outside. And, and so as the combination of that, I think these guys are going to really help. Both of them will help together of collapsing the middle enough where we can get a little more pressure on the quarterback because you can't win if the quarterback doesn't fear the front four of your opponent. And you, you bring up Henry Thomas, and I, I've always felt that Henry Thomas is a guy that Maybe hasn't received his due because he Ooh. he kind of revolutionized the position. He, we, he did what you called the cock nose, where he would yeah. turn his body, and I, and I think were you part of that 
and developing that uh, that technique. I was a little bit, and I'll say this about Henry Thomas: if you have a great nose tackle and you look at their stats at the end of the stats, if they have twenty sacks, that's good. That's a lot. Henry Thomas had ninety three. I mean, he was special, and he's he he was living in the world of of Millard and Dolman. He's probably not going into the Hall of Fame, but probably really belongs there. Does it bug you now that uh, you almost have a whole uh, a third down defensive line? I don't know that it bugs me. I, I would uh, I would have liked to have about eight guys that were, <laughs> you know, where I could rotate them, and uh, they were pretty good here at, during that era. Unbelievable. Well, you know what? You go back and look at the stats. We had sixty three and a half sacks one year just by linemen alone. That's a record I don't think will ever be broken. 63 and a half. In, just by linemen. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, which means you not blitzing. That means you don't that's have to blitz. That's the that four-man rush. You, you can cover. <laughs> you can sit back and yeah. play cover too, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not coaching. It, they, they, those guys came down the assembly line like that. But you have to give yourself some kind of credit because sometimes these guys that are unbelievably freakishly talented – Sometimes they don't want to take coaching or they're a little harder, you know, it's a little harder to take coaching and you have to coach them in some ways differently, but some ways yeah. the same. There's a bit of an art to that, don't you think? That's the art. Yeah. And that's probably what Bud had as a, as a head coach. He had that same ability to work with whatever that individual was about. He kind of put himself in that, in that realm and, and deal with him in the right way. And, uh, I think there is. You have to. You have to know how to handle different people. It's not lion tamer stuff. But <laughs> there is an art of of, yeah. of keeping a happy family when you've got a defensive line because they aren't they aren't normal people. <laughs> no, they're not. You don't see the unity in that meeting room like you do with the offensive no, line. No, no, it's a, they're not a family. <laughs> if you organize bowling, for example, with an offensive line, they'd all show up and bowl. You organize bowling with a defensive line, half of them would pick the wrong night. And the other half, uh, and a third of them would would go to the wrong place, you know. <laughs> and no, bow. And you're and still bow. You're but. right. I mean, and, and the meeting rooms are a little different as well. Oh, right? yeah. You got one where they all sit and face forward and pay attention and take notes, and the other one looks like romper room. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved the life of, of, with, with those those guys I had here. I used to look forward to coming to work. Every once in a while, Millard might uh, challenge you a little yeah. bit. but. Uh, but all in all, I were, it was a it was a great time in my life. Now Bud knew how to poke people and push their buttons. Could he yeah, do that? He could he do that to you too? Yeah, he could do that. He <laughs> came over to me one time. He didn't like my drill, and he said, and and he was diplomatic about it. But you could tell I better I'm not going to run that drill again. <laughs> <laughs> but that and that, but that's kind of how he was, right? He knew exactly what to say to whom. To get yeah. to get a reaction out of him, right? Yeah, he was terrific, and he he is uh, amazing. Just keeping with the line in in talking about today's team, you have a guy in Brian O'Neill who you know received some high praise from other players, saying he's you know one of the best in the league. What do you think of Brian O'Neill and how he's progressed as a as a player? I, I like him. I, I I think he's grown into it a little bit because he was a little undersized. But he's got great footwork. You know, if you get linemen with great footwork, and you coach, Pete, you know yep. what I'm talking about. And if they, those guys can maintain that mirror position where he, they, they just look in the eye all the way. I know as a pass rusher, when I played years ago, when I would look at a guy in the eye, I was in trouble. When you look at a guy like O'Neal, who played some tight end uh, in college, played some basketball, are those 
some of the things that the scouts look look for? I think they do. I think they do. I, I think those are qualities in an offensive lineman. You can't play tight end with and be a, a stomper. Okay. You better be light on your feet. And uh, I think he's really, you look at him, he's light on his feet and he moves well and he, he moves like a b- basketball player. Right. And I, you know, years ago I wrote a book along with Floyd Peters and some other people. And uh, we believe that basketball had more carryover value to football than any other other activity. You know, we we played three-on-three half-court basketball and thought that had carryover value for footwork and agility and all of that. So, Well, because I know today's, even today's parents with kids who are, uh, you know, younger, they're they're always they ask about in about sports and should my you know should my child play multiple sports and things like that and football is 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 unique in so many ways but that's one of them is that every other sport that you play there's carryover absolutely I, I and I'm on the other side of that my grandson who plays hockey for the U uh, played who was the quarterback on his high school team he was the center fielder and pitcher on the baseball team and he was a hockey player and. And he's uh, and whereas some of the kids he's playing with, all they did was hockey. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they, I, he, I I really think it made a difference for him. Be able to play the different yeah, sports, yeah. pick up the physicality, yeah, and, and all of the things. And, and I think of instincts and all of the stuff that go with that. Well, looking back, I guess yeah. on, on all your career, I've been I was fortunate enough to watch Walter Payton as a kid, play against Barry Sanders, watch Adrian Peterson. It, it, let's just talk running backs at the moment. Who? Who stand? I mean, in, in all your time, who who's been, who are your favorites, or who are the? Who do you think I, I was best? a rookie with a guy named Jim Brown. Wow! And we play. I played all nine years with him, and uh, I don't know if there's any 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 guy any guy that was any better than he was. I mean, he was you know he was then two thirty two. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean much anymore. That's but still boy, big for a running back back, <laughs> back at that time. <laughs> When you run four or five, and I, I think he could be downhill if he chose to be, but he didn't. Ch- he was more of a used his blockers, and uh, he was something on Sunday. Had he been around today with today's training, would he still be just as good? I think he would have been. I don't. I can't. He was so in the class all by himself at that point in history. Again, it's hard to say. Well, finally, my last question, going into this, the 2021 season, what are you excited to see on this Vikings team? And who are you excited to see or what, what, what's exciting about this club? I like this team. I really do. And I, I like the fact, I I think that, uh, I think Rick's done a good job. I think his staff, they filled some gaps that had to be filled. And I think it's, I think when it comes together, we'll be a different football team because I think we're good. I really believe we're good. And I'm glad that I'm still able to be here because I, especially this year, because I think this is a team that can play and and hold its own with anybody in the league. All right, Paul. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Always great to talk to Paul Wiggin, a guy who's a former Vikings coach. He was a head coach at Can- with the Kansas City Chiefs. The amount of football and the amount of knowledge in that man's mind and that man's brain is, I don't know if you could put a price on it. The guy has pretty much seen and been a part of about everything that's happened, not only in the NFL, but here in Minnesota for at least the last four decades. But now that the regular season is upon us, let's take a look at the Northern Tool and Equipment Tools for Success for the 2021 season. I'm going to bring in Jay Nelson and Jay, get the Northern Tool and Equipment for power and performance, save on pressure washers, Milwaukee and DeWalt power tools, sprayers, 
automotive tools and more, all the things that I love. It's <laughs> right up it's right up the street from my house. So uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's all those things. It's like Christmas any day of the year. Um, but as we look into this season, and I think I think Paul brought out a few things, especially the defensive line. But I look at defensively after a, you know a bottom five type finish last year. To me, it's so important that all these new pieces have some time and and are able to gel and work together. And you're looking at potentially seven new starters on defense, most of which or all of which really are veterans, but they're not used to this system. So in my opinion, it's going to be more experience, ability for the coordinators to do more but can they work together and communicate and do those things? You are trying to gel. You're trying to find time to do that. You have one less preseason game than you normally would in years past. And so you're just trying to get as many reps as possible and get as much time as possible together to kind of figure out who that other group is. You know, think about what Paul talked about with that defensive line, as good as they were, they could just take over and let everybody else work. Well, with this one, that was because they knew each other like the back of their hand. With the new team right now, you're talking about seven potential new starters here. And how does that affect them on a weekly basis, game by game? So- right. Offensively, it's the guy standing behind Cousins, who in my who in my opinion is the most important piece of this whole puzzle. And that's Dalvin Cook. And and the key to this season is if Dalvin Cook stays healthy. Because if he is healthy, he's going to produce. There's just I don't, I don't know if there's a way to stop him, and this is why I think he's the best running back in the league because he can do so much. He's a receiver, he's a blocker, uh, he's obviously a great runner. The health in not just the ability to play, but be productive on the field, had that explosiveness that we've seen out of him. That's still the key because I think defensively. Cousins is going to get the looks that he wants when they start worrying about Dalvin Cook. You know they're going to want to get pressure on Cousins, but getting pressure on Cousins and at the same time stopping Dalvin Cook, it's one of those it's it's one of those things. I, I saw it back here in the late nineties is that you have to pick your poison as a defense, and that's where Randy Moss was so unbelievably valuable. In that you know do you want to, to defend everything and have Randy Moss go you know you know, five receptions and with three touchdowns because you're still going to lose anyway. So what did they do? They sat back and then Robert Smith had his way. Dalvin is the key to this offense. No questions asked. Well, it was great to have Paul Wigan here sharing all of his incredible stories to kick off the 2021 season of the show. Remember to join us at our new time, Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here on KFAN. This has been another episode of Skull Stories presented by Cambria. Proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll all see you again next week.